0: Liberty sees me, it stands by me, and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to
1: be Corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work.
0: Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today. Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at libertymutualcareers.com.
1: Ladies and
2: idiots, this is the Fade to Gray podcast. I think you're going to like it.
1: I'm planning on getting drunk, so you're going to want to be there.
3: Hey, hey, let's get faded, guys.
4: <laughs> oh, here comes Stephanie.
3: Definitely more intelligent than myself, which I think that's a good thing.
0: I
2: can't wait for our Independence Day this year. I just want to know what people think. What do you think about the podcast?
1: It sucks. Nice. A fun!
3: Hello, this is Seth from Fade to Gray, coming in live with Chris, Omar, Elizabeth, Andy, and myself, and we are coming off the completion of the post deconstruction series. I really hope that you were able to check that out. If you have, I think that you will be pleased as we put in a lot of time. Andy was riveted by a lot of effort. And that is what is most important <laughs> and it's all about. <laughs> what did you guys think of the Pulitzer Construction <laughs> series? <laughs> Fuck this all! I quit! Omar! So no! <laughs> I'm sorry! Fuck you! You're doing
0: I'm
3: like I blame you... Chris! I'm so
0: sorry! I'm so sorry! Oh my
4: uh, God.
0: I was tracking with you man.
4: What did I do wrong? You didn't do anything no, wrong. Chris made a joke. I fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, I made a joke.
3: Fuck oh, it up, Chris.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. No. This is why we can't <laughs> you have nice
3: things. So, anyways, coming in live. <laughs> coming in live, and we're coming in hot, <laughs> and we're all pretty excited <laughs> here at Fade to Grey. Woo! What we did, and the people I'm excited. we interviewed. Ow! Kind of felt we went a little bit over our head, a little bit at some points. Like we had Speak some really for smart people on. We had some really smart people on. <laughs> That were definitely more intelligent than myself, which I think that's a good thing. You know, this it's a pretty important to bring topic. Yeah, it. yeah. It's also kind of that...
4: subjective because there are people on that I think you found extremely intelligent that I thought were just mediocre intelligence. But that's just me. I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking about Brian Zond. You think... <laughs> 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 I'm not holding any bones back about it. I think Brian Zond is not that intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Seth is speechless for the people that can't see it he is speechless perhaps for the first time ever
0: uh, tell us how you really feel Chris
4: <laughs> I like Brian Zond he was nice but he, he he's not okay. coherent I mean all have, the things he we're was saying a, he didn't really have anything have, to back up on
3: we're, we're going to have a conversation
4: <laughs> who you and Brian Zond I, you guys can have all the conversations the you hair want. Is up. No, this <laughs> is. Dude. Oh, here the comes hair is up.
3: The tail is fluffed.
4: Here comes Stephanie.
3: <laughs> the tail is fluffed. Could have take <laughs> taken so many wrong ways. All right. So to Brian Zahn's
0: defense. Here comes Seth. Go 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 ahead.
3: Well, now okay. So so Seth,
4: I don't need to hear your defense about Brian Zahn. but I'll say this, Omar. You teared up at what Brian Zahn had to say. What was it about? What he had to say that really got to you. I mean, I was more emotional about the Chris Fillingham episode personally, but it seemed like everyone got pretty emotional during Brian Zond. Does anyone even remember what it was that he said that really resonated with anyone? Because to me, I just thought, well, this guy's kind of cool, but he's obviously trying really hard to be a Christian hippie type. Like it's, it's obvious to me that he's, he's going for some sort of a shtick. To, you know, try to be relatable to certain types of people from the hippie Jesus movement or something.
0: All right. Well, well first of all, I wouldn't say that. Like, I don't
2: you exactly are so remember getting
0: em- emotional about anything that he had to say. Um, and I really did like the guy. And uh, I think some of the stuff yeah, he was saying nice guy. about being from, like, the whole Jesus movement. And I know a lot of people like my grandmother and stuff and my family that was really influenced by that. So there were some relatable things as far as that goes. I mean, I think he's a fairly intelligent dude as far as um, being able to articulate what he's trying to say. And I think I I kind of personally felt that he might have been with good reason, maybe. I don't know. I'm not judging the guy, but he seemed he came off political in some of his answers and response, especially like around the LGBTQ thing. That was just kind of my take a little bit. But I mean, um, the thing that I like.
4: Yeah, but he would never definitively say whether or not he was affirming or not. Right, and that could be that could be on us
0: too, as far as like we didn't maybe investigate harder or or ask the quote unquote right question. But but he, 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 I should see Seth. He 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 is like clawing at the screen to try to say something.
3: Up and let (laughs) me speak. There are things I want to say.
1: He he has an interpretive dance for us, ladies and gentlemen.
0: I can't. Why can't I, why can't I finish, why can't I finish the thought without it, without it? Why
4: are you trying to silence the black man, Seth? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> Go ahead,
0: Omar. So as far as whether or not like I got emotional about anything that he said, the only thing that really like resonated that, that with me was when he was starting to talk about like heaven and hell and kind of like his idea that maybe we're living in heaven right now as far as like that interpretation. So like, that, that, that I thought was compelling and definitely felt like he was in his realm. I felt like if we were asking him questions of things that he has really spent time like researching and studying that he would definitely be above our heads in certain areas. But like, sure. um, But I did kind of feel the whole political um, responses to some of our questions, especially around like the LGBTQ thing. So that was my take on it.
4: Well, he also, you know, was pretty upset about the fact that a lot of the people from the Jesus movement became what he labeled as Trumpers. Um, He definitely was not happy about that. So he's obviously uh, coming at it from a very left-leaning perspective, which is perfectly fine. Um, But I was pretty underwhelmed when he wouldn't really confirm uh, if, if the Bible was clear or not on LGBTQ community. He was he, he he was pretty like i don't know maybe uh, you know I had just kind it, of I like
3: deal with that yet it was kind of like a right. thing like going like well, no. right and i'm like dude Which you need to deal with that it's interesting so. because now uh, chad one of our Patreons, pushed us on this a little bit not pushed us but phrased it that perhaps we didn't i didn't ask the question in the right way And that perhaps I could have asked the question in a different way that may have solicited a different answer that may have been more of what we were looking for. However, maybe, maybe, right. There's a big maybe there. And his answer that he gave us is pretty much the same exact answer that he gave me when I was an intern, which you can hear if you listen to my story that I shared on your Atheist Pastor podcast talked about that incident specifically quoted it and then had it repeated to us a few weeks later when we interviewed Brian, which I was like, okay, so not much has changed. Right. But Chris Fillingham
4: gave a beautifully nuanced response about that kind of thing. So my, my, my takeaway here is that I appreciate that Chris Fillingham has taken the time over however many years it's been since you were an intern to formulate an opinion on what the Bible has to say about the LGBTQ community,
3: right? And this is where I think I give Brian somewhat of the benefit of the doubt is that Chris Fillingham is a pastor of about a hundred people and has intimate, like, has relationships with all one hundred people. That's where the political Brian side Zahn goes. is a right. pastor of a. I would, I mean. We're talking four thousand, six thousand member church. That's probably it's probably two thousand, but then worldwide, he's looking at about ten. He and he's right. written ten books in eight. So he's books worried about his paycheck. Years. Well, so he's
4: worried about his paycheck. I get it. That I completely. Get I, it.
3: That's actually not where I'm going. What I mean is that it's relationships, Chris. He's worried about relationships. It's relationships, and it's the format of the relationships that you have. So he's
4: worried about pissing off people who are anti I don't, I don't
3: think that it's a matter of worried about I don't I don't think that he has those types of relationships I don't think that he connects oh. with people in the same way as maybe Chris does because that's not part of his ministry his ministry is a theologian he's writing books he's presenting at conferences whereas Chris is meeting with people in their homes and meeting them in the hospital Brian has another pastor that does that. I
4: so, see. So Brian is the person I would never want to hang out with. And Chris is the person that I would love to hang out with. I get it.
3: What you, what I'm saying Chris is your voice. characterization of into, intelligent, I think, is inaccurate. I don't. Okay. I, I actually think he's brilliant. Okay. Well, let me let me say this. He's Chris is relational. more like the
4: Jesus of the Bible. And Brian Zahn is more like one of the Pharisees. I get it. Ooh. It's all good.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> That
4: he's like Joel Osteen. He's got a huge flock that he has to turn away people
3: from using his okay, church. Joel, perhaps
0: <laughs>
3: re- liken him to Stephen Furtick more than maybe Joel Osteen. At least, which,
0: which I mean, obviously, we never have either one of those people ever on this podcast after having <laughs> Brian Zahn
3: on. and be like, no, dude's an idiot. <laughs> I would love Stephen Furtick to come on this podcast.
4: I'm not saying that he's an idiot. He was well spoken about theology. He's brilliant. But nothing he said really meant anything to me. He Is had a saying.
3: story to share. Like, he, we weren't able to talk as much, and as it wasn't as interactive. It was more hearing a story, which was a good yeah. story. I like Chris Fillingham a hell of a lot better.
2: So can I can I ask <laughs> what exactly did you ask him, and what would you have changed in your question to get a better answer?
3: I think I asked what do you think of the gay situation or something? Just like a kind of a blanket statement.
2: <laughs> like
0: you're coming on to him? Like, <laughs> no, where like do you land? So, uh, what do you I think
3: of this
2: them. gay situation?
3: No, we were talking about the Bible and I asked, <laughs> where do you land when it comes to LGBTQ issues? And
2: what that would you change very... about the formulaic, you know, the formula of that question? How would you change that?
3: Do you believe that homosexuality is a sin?
2: And you're just looking for a yes or no answer on that, instead of a well, roundabout, you know, p- political, you know, uh, a yes every- or
3: no. Why? Because mm-hmm. the way he took that question was more roundabout. It, we don't really have LGBT people in our church; it's not really an issue. Which that's are the, ones that are the ones that he has, you know, is like you know, he like takes a stance that like you know we love people, you know, like but and like- they're in leadership positions. He said that, hmm. which I don't believe.
4: <laughs> did you just say you don't believe that you don't, don't believe he has lgbtq people in leadership but he said that he did
3: i think so so you think he lied i don't know i it's been it's been 10 years since i've been there what i'm saying mm. is like i knew some people that were lgbt on staff but they weren't open they weren't i just out. got like a uh, just a real like
4: cheese ball this is a shtick kind of thing vibe from him and that's just my own personal opinion and I apologize if I offend anybody. Um, sorry, not sorry. We, we really but, beat
3: up his interview. I I feel really bad. We had a theologian <laughs> come on, and we've now spent what thirty minutes bashing the interview. We've only been recording
4: for sixteen.
3: Okay. Um,
4: <laughs> so it's, it's hyperbole, there, Seth. Um, I listen. You should check out the interview. Maybe you'll be touched by it. I wasn't. Not a big deal. Chris Fillingham, on the other hand, I'm not a Christian, and Chris Fillingham, I thought was a one badass dude. And I really enjoyed talking to him about his faith. I thought he had a really, really cool outlook on everything. Um Well, of course, my episode with Lewis is my favorite, um, because it's personal to me. But the one with Chris Fillingham is my second favorite, for sure.
0: Yeah, your episode with uh Lewis and yourself, probably one of my favorites too. It was the easiest one to listen to from start to finish. Like all of the interviews, all the conversations were great. Everyone's story, everyone's opinions. I mean, even, even if we didn't agree with the way they presented themselves, at least I felt like we captured everybody in, in a true light of themselves. You know, they were comfortable. We, we set the stage to, to let them be. Yeah. But as far as just cohesive, just enjoyable podcast listening, the way you narrated the last episode with your, with your friend Lewis and and the story that was being told it was just entertaining from start to finish. And I'm excited to do more things like that in the future. Um, I do like yeah. the interview round table style every once in a while. And, and there's something to that when somebody has a story, but like, I, I think that it's just harder to listen to. I think that's the thing I learned about this last bingeable series is the very first episode that we had with uh, Paul Matthew Harris, who's a friend of mine, a lovely guy. But it's like you get about halfway through that and you need to come up for air. You know, come up and take a breather yeah. take a breather, kinda like deconstruct some of the things that have been said, you know, and then and then go back in for more and then it's 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 good. It's been and then from there it gets increasingly it seems um wider and easier to listen to.
4: Yeah. That one's hard to listen to because Paul's had such a rough journey and it's because he's so invested in God and then he keeps having all of this experience where he feels drawn to it like that's devastating and I know Paul I know Paul's story is one that we've all resonated with we certainly love him here at Fade to Grey and think that he's a big part of who we are we even told him in that episode that he kind of helped shape where we went um you know that he's the first episode that we did that we kept everything else before that got scrapped uh just because he does have such a a unique story and he his story deserves to be heard for sure and he's just a great dude
0: yeah speaking of like like heroes or stories that may be told or in you know, that vein um i was saying how it kind of seemed like it got easier to listen to after that because but it's, not necessarily true with the Dave Warnock episode. The Dave Warnock is another one of my, my favorites. The, the dude is just fun. It was a lighthearted vibe, but we are talking about some serious, serious shit. And if you guys don't know, um, Dave has been diagnosed with ALS, um, and is basically on his, what he listens to call his last ride, where he's basically living his life out loud and doing everything he can possibly, um, uh, while he still has his functionality and abilities and, um, you know, cognizance basically.
2: Which it, it it almost seems like that is what it takes for some people to fully get out of their, their ways or their, their own head. It almost seems like it takes for some people, this crazy life altering uh, diagnosis or, uh, you know, death scare. Uh, I mean, his, obviously his illness is terminal uh, but it seems like it takes that for some people, this, this slap in the face. I hate to use that analogy, but, um, to, to even be like, okay, wow. Even with just pertaining to faith, like what I believed was, was silly. The fact that I, you know, thought this way about X, Y, or Z group or whatever. Um, it's, it's amazing that, It takes that to shift perspective um, and even just for the simple fact of appreciating every day a little bit more. So his interview was my favorite. And, you know, if people listen to the interviews, that was the only one I was on. And that's not because that's the one I was on. That's my favorite. It was literally such a lighthearted but heavy episode. It was great.
0: We got into the assisted suicide topic, which is why it gets heavy in this little bit. You know, everybody has their different opinions on that, but with what he's facing and looking down the road, like it makes sense that that was a topic that came up a lot. Yeah.
4: And Elizabeth, you had a huge part in putting together the Bonnie Lewis episode, which turned out to be fantastic. Um, I thought you guys did such a good job. It was mostly the women and Seth um, plus a few, uh, uh, guests, Rhea and Lena. Uh, so that was really, really great. I want to commend you on doing that one. I really liked her story.
1: Yeah. I had a, I had a great time interviewing her. She was really fun to talk to. And I liked, um, I'll be honest, like I've been a a cynic, uh, as far as, um, God's concerned and trying to process my, my own, uh, going through my own deconstruction and trying to figure out where I fall. And I still like the idea of being a Christian, or the I like the idea of God, I guess. But I'm still kind of processing through that, and just listening to her story and how she is um, taking right, like going ahead and like doing a new translation of the Bible. I'm like, damn, that's. Bold and gutsy, <laughs> like you just don't do that, and she does. She's doing it. So I thought that was really, really cool, and um, it really, um, I guess, gave me some kind of hope that maybe the things that I had put my whole life into um, in my twenties may not be all for naught. Um, so it makes me want to go back and think through through some things some more. And I'd like to read the Tim Shell translation or the Tim Shell books when she is finished with them next year. But I really had a good time interviewing. Yeah, her. I
4: would also really like to read those. Um, even though I'm not a Christian anymore, I'm just excited to hear a, a fresh perspective on those stories. Um, and Seth, I yeah. wanted to just say that you did a really good job on that episode because a lot of the questions you asked were tough questions, but you asked them in such a respectful way. Like you, you brought up, like that the Bible talks about how women should be silent in church. But you didn't say it like a in, a, in an accusatory way. It was like a uh, what's up with that? Like what what's some of the backlash that you've gotten? And she was able to articulate that actually there's a lot of historical and cultural uh, background to that verse. Um, and she explained it in a way that no women are not necessarily supposed to be si- silent in church. It was based on this that happened back in the day. Um, so you really really did a great job of getting a lot of. Uh, answers from her that were super interesting to me
3: well i was genuinely i was genuinely interested yeah Um, so i was very invested in that interview and it was fun so thank you for saying that i i felt it went really well um and it was what we got a lot out of her i felt like we had a really good discussion in fact that interview i even when that interview was over i left And the girls stayed and continued talking. So
1: we were just talking as moms. We were, (laughs) we had such a good time with her. We're like, let's just be moms and talk about mom shit. And that's what we did. She was
4: really (laughs) generous with her time. I think she is the longest episode of the series. So I I was really happy that she uh, gave us that much time to actually spend with her. She was, she was really great. She was awesome. So I I do have a quick question. Does there anybody that wants to say anything else about any of the episodes?
3: I felt we skipped over Chris, like you mentioned, you kind of led up to Chris, and then we kind of jumped to the Lewis episode about the narration. I just okay. want to say that I really, really am pleased with how that interview went with Chris, and I felt like we were able to get a lot um, of perspective out of him, and I was actually surprised by some of the answers, and I've, I've known him for a, a long time now, so... Yeah, I I think it went really well. And um, he's the kind of Christian I want to be like, you know, I don't know. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Now that makes sense. Speaking of being the kind of Christian that you want to be like, I'm curious. We did the post deconstruction series to kind of get different perspectives for where people are at after they have brought their faith into question. As all of our listeners know, we all come from a faith background. So I'm curious to know where everyone lands at today after having completed the series. um, Would everyone kind of go through and talk about where you're at with your faith? Are you still a Christian? Do you still believe like, did any of the episodes help you uh, confirm your faith or help you confirm your departure from faith, I guess is kind of what I want to say. Everyone can hear the Lewis episode and they'll know where I landed. I've talked about it several times before, but I was able to actually do that on that episode. Whereas you guys weren't really able to say, Hey, this is where I've landed now. Um, so I would just like to give you guys the space to do that. If anyone's interested.
2: Yeah. I would say even though I was only on one of those episodes and having uh just gone through this whole process with this podcast, I would say uh, much like I, I thought would happen. um, I've pretty much just, I've stopped worrying about where I'm going. What's going to happen if I don't do the right thing uh, today? What's going to happen if I do say a bad word in front of my daughter what happens if I do have one extra beer? Does God not like that? I've I've dropped a lot of my legalistic or uh, even uh, compulsive uh, thinking about God and faith. I've dropped it completely. I mean, I, I, I sometimes think about who or what God is, but that's as far as I even go with anything faith related. I haven't been to church in over almost a a year and a half. Um, And we've been doing this podcast for a year now. So even, you know, yes, it does have a little bit to do with these, this recent uh, bingeable series. But even before that, I was kind of on my way to basically putting it, putting my faith on the Titanic and watching it sail out of the Harbor. And I was totally fine with it, you know, just kind of leaving it. And if it comes back, it comes back, but I'm, I'm completely fine with asking questions about who God is and what God is uh, and looking and diving deep for answers and, and being way more open-minded when it comes to uh, other people's perspectives on uh, faith too. So yeah, I, I, I definitely think that I don't even identify as a Christian at all. Uh, I would not say I am an atheist. I would say I'm more an agnostic because uh, I'm I'm neither here nor there. Um, but it's funny because growing up in church, you would, you would, I mean, I think most of us would never imagine the day where we're having a podcast about deconstructing our faith. You know, I'm sure once upon a time, we all thought, well, yeah, this is it. This is all great. It's, it's wonderful. And this is, this is the answer. Uh, but here we are and here I am. And, I'm more comfortable than ever.
4: I completely agree with you, man. I think we've landed pretty much in the same space. Like I'm just happy that it's a mystery that I'll never know. And I'm totally cool with it. Like I don't have to, I don't have to know anything. I
0: don't have to know any of it. I think for me, what it's done between doing the post deconstruction series and the conversations we had here, as well as conversations that I've been having with, People in the, your atheist pastor group, a handful of atheists and stuff who, you know, ask some really good questions. Um, where I've landed is ultimately, I don't think I'll ever know if God is real. And I think that's why you have faith. I think that's what faith is all about. And as far as just like choosing how I want to live my life, like me personally, I, like, I, it's not, that I need to prove it to anybody else or even to myself but there's just been enough evidence in my life and things that I have like keeps draw me back to where I, I think it's like at this point I'm still like hold on to Jesus I hold on to the fact that there's something there I don't know if I like other people's explanations about that because I, I, I get my Jesus from the Bible and the Bible is pretty much deconstructed for, for me but and so that's why I'm still open to everybody else's kind of interpretation of life and what they believe and still will always want to hear people's stories and think that it's beautiful and think it's another expression of you know of who god is i think god's bigger than the christian um understanding of of what jesus is i think our western understanding of what jesus is, is just dumb <laughs> and so i don't know I, but I think but there's a lot of good teaching so for for me personally it's been great conversation it's always something i'll probably go back to um, but it didn't solidify one way or the other, God being real or not being real, but it made me comfortable in the fact that I'll probably never know. And I'm okay with, I'm choosing to believe this because it's what I want.
4: Yeah. Seth, you had something you wanted to say earlier.
3: Oh, well, I've had a few things to say here and there, but it was just little jabs for you. <laughs> you said that you're ready to just let it be. Chris pointed this out on the episode too. You said that you're ready just to, you know, let the mystery be. That's right. And Chris was like, and here you are on a podcast interviewing on post deconstruct and asking other people about their faith. You're still asking questions.
4: Well, sure. But at the same time, I don't need to necessarily get the answers. I'm okay with not getting them. Like I'm okay with just pondering it all. I love that. I love the mystery of it. I love, you know, I'm drawn to the, the mystery of the cosmos, you know, like I, any, any sort of mystery when it comes to how I got here, like it's cool to think about, it's cool to talk about it, but I don't need to know the answer. I'm not going to ever know
2: definitively the answer. So I would say you're just asking about perspectives rather than answers. You're, you're, you're absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause an answer, I just want to know what people think. Yeah. An, an answer I think implies almost that there is a right answer there is something that is truth uh but i mean really we're just getting perspectives which is awesome and and like you said it is natural for anyone and everyone to wonder where you came from how you got here the generations before you i mean that's that's the human condition we've been asking that for millions of years
3: and we always will be
2: that's right amen
3: i don't know if i have changed that much my faith is pretty solid Honestly, Um, even this, everything that I've been through, I mean, I think that I, I still believe the Apostles' Creed. I still believe the Nicene Creed. Um, I'm still dedicated in those ways. But I will say that I am starting to view scripture a little bit differently. I don't know if I hold scripture, I don't know if I hold it to the same degree as I did before. I think both Brian Zahn and Chris Fillingham noted on it when talking about the Bible. Both of them talked about it in a way that I was like, hmm. It made me take a step back and be like, this isn't like some magical book, you know? Right. It's not. It's a group of letters that were written
4: to people for those people in a specific time in history.
3: Right. And we're trying to make it imply it to our lives. Yeah. And another group of people decided that
0: which of those letters were going to be important and relevant. And then also, like you said, um, I think in a couple of different episodes, Seth, um, you know, why did the Bible even end? You know, why is that that these letters are so important and no more letters after this
3: that are going to be written can ever ever compare to these letters? (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't understand it. Now, this is the third episode I've talked about this on, so apparently I'm dealing out some of my own (laughs) personal stuff here. But I I truly don't understand why the Bible ended. If God is alive yesterday and today and tomorrow, if he's working in people just the same ways that he was 2,000 years ago, in fact, is he not working in us more now that we have the Holy Spirit? Why? why would the Bible just end? And then why do we have to like do gymnastics to even understand what the Bible is saying? Because we have to be able to view it in another culture and time outside of our own. Why don't we have our, why don't we have our own thing that we can go to?
0: Yeah. And as much as we think context is important, as far as what people in the Bible and these stories, these letters, like who they were writing them, isn't it just as important as, like, who was putting these together? Like, like right. Wh- like, who was the pow- What powers were to be in control? And, w- like, what decisions were being made to, like, and, say, to say what letter is more important than the other letter? So.
3: And, and in the Chris Fillingham interview, when he talked about how we didn't even know it was Paul, that it was people who followed Paul's teaching. a
0: yeah, ghostwriter.
3: <laughs> yeah. It was like, So it's very possible that the books of the Bible that we think are what they are aren't even written by the people that they say that they're written by. They're written by the people who followed those people who were writing to other people. It's very confusing and it's not as like sacred as I thought it was. Sorry, but I just can't. Right. (laughs) Right. I that so that some of that is starting to shake. And as that's starting to shake, it's interesting to see what's happening. Because I really want my faith and my dedication in Christ to remain. But for so long, the Bible has been such a crucial part of that foundation. Like you could, I just don't see how
4: you could have one without the other personally. And, right. and I know that people are saying, well, the Bible is just a manuscript that was written for these people back then. But I had always viewed, whenever I was a Christian, the Bible to be... The Holy Word of God that was divine, inspired, and and God breathed, and and it you know is. the Word is God. You it know? is so. It is it's not Jesus is the Word. But how do you know any of it? How would you know any of it if it weren't written down in a book? You wouldn't, right? There, I think, there would be oral tradition, but that would it's like a game of telephone so after two thousand years.
0: It
3: still, should be used. Is, is there a way of changing? Keeping it great, we need something, but holding it to such of a, a standard, or what well, you're like, trying to apply ancient is, text
0: to your life, like everyday life.
3: Like this is the word of God, and and nothing like holding it as if it is the Holy Grail, you know, in importance. When it's like, no, this is just a text that might be helpful in informing us about our lives and and what came through Christ. Rather, it would be than different
4: if that text didn't say certain things about how there is particular ways to get to heaven and narrow is the road and all this other stuff, but that's what that text says. And so therefore, whenever you're taught those things you, and you want to get to heaven when you die, because you don't certainly don't want to go to hell, then you say, okay, well this is the manuscript that's going to get me there. This is how I'm going to know how for sure to get to that place.
2: Basic instructions before leaving earth. Right.
4: There's a big problem in my mind with how that text is written because it's written in a way to keep you glued to it, to keep you standardized in some sort of uh, a way uh, in, in the religion. And for that reason, because there's so many things in that book that I disagree with, I can't accept any of it. I just can't.
1: I think Chris needs to fade to gray on this scripture thing. The guy's pretty black and white on it, in my
4: opinion. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
3: yeah, I agree.
4: It's something I tried to fade to gray on, um, and I've mentioned it several times. I, I wanted to be a progressive Christian who just cherry picked Bible verses that I liked. Uh, I tried. Well, everybody, that, but does I that. found like e- sure. even the people who say that they're fundamentalists
0: <laughs> still cherry pick Bible verses that they like
4: and don't like. Sure. They, they you know, love the one that says that homosexuality is abomination, but they don't care about the one that says that it's a sin to wear two different fabrics together. Right.
3: Which are literally like right, right way. next to each other. Yeah.
4: They, they do that. But at the same time, like what kind of a foundation for faith is that to say, Oh, I believe these parts, but I don't believe those it's you. I guess if you were to, be a Christian, you would have to make a choice. You'd have to say, okay, I'm going to have to take this Bible and I'm going to have to believe all of it. Or you would say, I can't base any of my faith on this book because how can you read that book and say, well, I believe this part and I don't believe that. And that's what I'm basing my faith off of. If your faith is really that important to you, like I understand that people do that, but for me, that's impossible it's absolutely impossible.
0: It's not about saying that you believe this part or not this part, but more about looking at it as a kind of historical context and realizing, well, maybe they're writing like this. Well, maybe Paul's writing like where women shouldn't like, you know, speak in church or, or preach in church where, and not in a way where it's like, he's trying to, like, I'm not trying to defend Paul's writings I'm just saying, but like, but looking at it is like not like this is the law now that means that every that we should apply that to every situation. Yeah. But being like, well, what what was going on? What was going on here that that this was even be in here? You know, and not, and not so much like that. Like that people wrote the book. You know, it, it takes away from the whole. This is an infallible word of God. I think that whole certainty thing tied to it that like I grew up with and you grew up with, like we even rely on to ourselves when we we're in the middle of that because. There's another podcast that shall not be mentioned. One of the co-hosts talks often about how, like, nobody really believes that there's a heaven and hell. Because you can see that in the way yeah. that they're living. Because if everybody really, be- like, if you really believe that the people next to you are going to, like, burn in some fiery pit forever, then, then you would be living completely different. Or there's a chance that we might, you know, like, like, like yeah, there, there's a possibility, like, to hedge our bets. But, like, most people don't really believe or they want to he- hold out hope. That, like, even if there is, maybe actors don't get in, or maybe my favorite people or a rock star or a movie star is going to make it in. You know, it's, we all, we all have these, uh, what do you want to say, caveats or predispositions or how, that's not predispositions. Predisposition. We, we all have these different things in, in in our mind about our faith to begin with, even when we were fundamentalist. And so I think it's easy for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else, but there's a couple people in the progressive movement, if you want to say that. That have helped me a whole lot in the way that they've like kind of like looked at the Bible. Um, you know, Bonnie Lewis is one, one of them. You know, I
4: will read Tim Shell when it comes out. I'm excited to read that. I maybe I'll read Richard Rohrs, uh, The Universal Christ, and maybe I'll have a revelation. Who knows? Uh, but I seriously doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I said, but I'm open to it. It's all good. You know, whatever.
2: Christianity, the uh, faith of suspension of disbelief. That's that's what I'd call it. Suspension of disbelief uh, in order to get to heaven.
1: Hey, guys. So we are just trying this out. We'll see. You tell us what you think. Did you like the post-deconstruction series? Because we kind of really did. And so what we want to do is do a few more series like that that are bingeable. So our upcoming series that we're going to be working on next is going to be on relationships so we're going to talk uh friendship relationships we're going to talk dating marriage divorce unconventional relationships we're going to talk about it all so that's our next plan but in the meantime we will keep doing these roundtable discussions as well and just hold you all over until we get the next series out
0: yeah hit us up on those social medias or come talk to us on patreon or marco polo group um obviously we've had uh Paul has been in there, wrecking shop lately, Paul Matthew Harrison. Um, I heard rumors that we may have Dave Warnock coming in, talking and sharing a little bit of his story, answering some questions, as well as Chris Fillingham um, coming up. So if you've enjoyed any of those episodes, you want to weigh in on it, maybe ask some questions, please come join the conversation with us. We'd love to have you part of the family.
4: Interesting how two of the agnostics are in and only one of the Christians is thinking about coming
0: around.
1: Let's judge that harshly.
0: (laughs) Maybe it's because, like, the more Christian you are, the more that we, like, blast them on here as far as thinking that they're not very smart or whatever it was.
4: (laughs) He's super intelligent. He's just not as smart as Seth thinks he is.
1: In other news, (laughs) we're having our very first fade to gray meetup. So, if you guys haven't heard about this yet, hit us up. We've got it coming in Western Pennsylvania. Seth's gonna be coming over to our house to hang out. Oh, and anybody wants to join yes. us? We'll get to spend time with us. Yes, Love indeed.
3: To I am gonna get on a jet plane and I'm gonna fly <laughs> away.
1: <laughs> <So> listen to <laughs> our children, Pennsylvania, on ice.
3: and we might to pick Pennsylvania, them on, yeah. United States. <laughs> From the airport. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, that's going
0: to be July 20th. Is everyone invited? Everyone's invited. It's really talking about relationships. This is an opportunity for us to see face to face some of these internet relationships. You know our parents, our grandparents, wherever our friends are telling us that, you know, these people that we're talking to every day don't really exist. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? I exist. We're real. We have 40 acres of beautiful <laughs> property out here in Western Pennsylvania um we're planning on like going to some local breweries possibly um if there's people interested in going we're about two hours away from niagara falls If no one's ever been to the falls i recommend taking the trip it is worth it um and then obviously just a lot of games and getting to know know each other and, and hanging out it's gonna be a lot a blast cooking out
3: yes and of the people your favorite people on the podcast you know you've got chris got omar you've got me you've got elizabeth you've got andy you you look at all of us and you're like who are the people that i really really want to meet with the pretty people it's the it's the people that are going to be there it's renee (laughs) everybody
0: wants to meet with renee
3: so you know you don't have to worry about being bothered by andy or being bugged (laughs) by chris this is true you're gonna be entertained by seth Come on, come on out. We'd love to see you. We're going to have a great time.
1: I'm planning on getting drunk, so you're going to want to be there.
3: Seth, he wants to mentally analyze everyone. Ha ha ha. (laughs) I do not think I'm going to do that again. The last time I did that, I don't think it turned out too well. (laughs) However, I ended up on a podcast and, you know, that's kind of cool.
4: Well, one other thing that we're going to end up doing, speaking of being on a podcast, is we're going to be on the Your Atheist Pastor podcast because he's letting Say, us take over. Take over. Yeah. Take it's be awesome. Over, Luke King over. has put Faye DeGray in
3: charge of being on. Chris, you mean to tell me that, that we, Faye DeGray, are going to step over and take over a podcast specifically geared towards atheists? That's right. Like is this it. not the greatest moment for evangelism as I have ever seen? <laughs> this is an
4: interfaith it's, movement. I, I will not be doing that. Yes.
0: It's an hour and a half
3: of us saying Jesus
0: over and over again. Hopefully it's gonna infiltrate <laughs> the souls and lives of everybody. This is a, it's our moment. This is our moment to shine. It's yes. With, I'm just saying e-
1: Seth casting the net at the end to pull in those lost fishes.
3: God God gave us <laughs> God gave us an opportunity. And I'm happy we took advantage of it. We knocked it out of the park. It was a lot of fun. I do too. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it.
4: One of the segments they do over at Your Atheist Pastor is called, I'm sorry, but I just can't. And it's where you kind of just like bitch about things that you don't really care for, but it's hilarious. Pastor Luke uh, of Your Atheist Pastor does a really good job of ranting. And you're always like, holy shit. Yeah, I hate that stuff too. Um, it's my favorite segment on your atheist pastor. So we decided we, uh, are going to do it when we did the takeover, we're going to show you guys a little taste of what it was like to do that takeover right now. Make sure that you go and listen to your atheist pastor for more. I'm sorry, but I just can't segments. What is something that bothers you that probably shouldn't?
0: All right, yeah, this one's easy because normally I'm a pretty laid-back guy and stuff doesn't get underneath my skin. It takes kind of a lot. But uh, when I get in my vehicle and I'm trying to get to point A to point B, Normally, I've waited to the last possible minute before I did, you know, left my house, and I end up behind some, out here in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, end up behind some s- slow old farmer who wants to drive five <laughs> to ten miles underneath the speed limit down these like roads. Then the speed limit's like 55 miles an hour, so you can go 60, no big deal. And then, but you'll get, end up behind like every once in a while, every once in a while, and it just messes everything up. Then you have like. You're trying to pass like two to three cars whenever you get a chance. Well, I am. You know, for most people would probably just slow down in life. And that's probably like more what I need to learn from this whole thing is probably actually just slow down and be okay with it. But I just can't stand the way the people in Western Pennsylvania drive. Another one about driving in Western Pennsylvania is nobody out here knows how to use a stop sign. It is goddamn ridiculous. Like, people will sit there and stop and wait a good 15, 20 seconds till you get to the stop sign as well to make sure you come to a complete stop. And then every (laughs) once in a while maybe 50 50 they might even like wave you through like they're being like oh, like, no they, like they're doing somebody a favor like hey i'm nope. i'm just a good person so and like and i'm like no just obey the fucking law and you'd have already gone right. through the stop sign before you got there it would have been no problem yeah But I mean, I I absolutely refuse to do that. When someone
4: (laughs) waves me on, nope, it's your turn. You go. Because what's going to happen is, is we both decide to go at the same time. We get in a wreck and then it comes back on me. Fuck that. But then
0: still there's a standoff between you and that other person where they're like, no, you go. No, you go. No, you go. And it was like, oh my. I will put it in park. Normally, That's I, what I'll do. I, 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 I'll just like hesitate and I'll just go if people were like not waiting or like waiting too long. I'm just like, whatever, you know, I'll be that guy. They can be mad at me. And then obviously the last one, it just applies to everywhere I've been, not just Western Pennsylvania. And so this applies to wherever you are listening to this right now. If you're not going to drive at least 10 miles over the speed limit on their freeway get the fuck out of the fast lane <laughs> and when you get, when somebody else who, who, who is going even faster than you comes up behind you it's not your job to be the goddamn police and try to like stay there and be like the, the moral judge get out of the way let the person pass the you, to the right. and then and then get back over if you want to be back in the fast lane. Just <laughs> you're not you're not in charge of the road. Just let other people go, and every everything will be fine if we just do that. But every once in a while, you got people that are just like, "Nope, I'm just gonna go 70. I'm gonna stay right here because <laughs> it's the speed limit, and I'm just I'm right in your I'm road. going the
4: speed limit. Yeah. Let me ask you this: In Pennsylvania, is it? is the left lane designated for passing only or do they have that designation? Cause in Texas it's a law and there's signs everywhere that say left lane for passing only.
0: It's not a law here. No, it's, but it's just, oh, it's just common you knowledge. Make it a law. that like, <laughs> the, like the left lane is the fast lane.
4: Well, even if you have the law, it doesn't always mean that people are going to do it. And I'm sorry, but I just can't. I'm
0: sorry, but I just can't. It's ridiculous. Get out of the way. <laughs> it's crazy.
4: Get the fuck out of the way. Like ludicrous. Uh, move, yeah, bitch. move, bitch. Get out of the way. <laughs> That's mine. Oh my gosh. Oh, I've got one that just, I don't know, all you home cooks out there, um, you made understand this one. You may not. Maybe you have your grandma's recipe book, but I like to look for my recipes online and I'll find, you know, something that's got really great reviews and it's really right up my alley what I want to cook. And so I'll click on it. Right. And then what happens? Elizabeth, can you help me out here? What happens?
1: Ads and ads and ads. (laughs) You're (laughs)
4: close, but no, no blogs and blogs and blogs. It's a recipe that I want to get to but before I can get there, I have to scroll through 20 pages of a fucking blog about why this recipe means something to my family or about how I came upon the recipe. I don't give a fuck. I'm trying to cook right now. I don't want to have to scroll through yep. your fucking blog. Yeah, or, I'm you sorry, have, or they give you the link can't.
1: to the recipe, but it's not in their yeah. actual blog. Like you'll see, you'll right. go Google like chicken recipes and I'll look five top recipes and you click on it. But then you mm-hmm. had to follow the link and follow the link and follow the link. No, that's just
4: annoying. give me the fucking recipe. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> um, One other thing that really bugs me is small talk on the telephone. I fucking hate it. It's like if you're going to call me, all right, you better get to the point. I'm trying to watch Netflix. I'm trying to work in my backyard. I am definitely trying to do something other than have small talk with you on the telephone. I'm sorry, I just can't. This, I hate it. This is if why you're going to call me? <laughs> no. If you're going to call me on the phone, let's talk and let's keep it to 3 minutes. You tell me what the fuck you want. I will take care of it. Whatever it is, well, let's let's get it out there. Well, let's make plans. Let's do whatever it is. But don't ask me what I did today. Don't don't fucking do that. <laughs> Don't ask me if I like the new Radiohead song. I I will let you know if that's the case. Probably on social media. Text me. Let's not have small talk. (laughs) Yeah. Or or even better, let's text about it because it's faster and I can continue doing whatever it was that I wanted to do as opposed to have small talk with you on the phone. I'm sorry. I just can't.
0: In Chris's defense, he's pretty <laughs> friendly on Marco Polo. and, and that Super friendly. I love Marco there. Polo. It's face-to-face. Look, if I'm on
4: Marco Polo, I'm going there for a reason. I want to have a conversation with someone. But if I'm in the middle of something, you call me to small talk about something I don't give a shit about. I just can't.
0: Yeah, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, <laughs> I'm guilty of the same thing. and I And I do it. Sorry, Elizabeth, in our marriage. I was like, <laughs> I, I'm just like, I want to talk to her, I want the information, and then I try to do a little bit of small talk just to be nice, and then it like kind of drags off, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I gotta go. Yeah. But, and
1: I like to drone on and on and on. They're called tangibiles. My friends call them tangibies. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't handle them. I'm like, I'm not telling him But It's anyway. fine I'll, I'll tell if it's a conversation.
4: <laughs> it's fine if it's a good conversation. Like a friend I haven't talked to in a you know, you know a few weeks or whatever calls me up and tells me a story or something. Okay. Hey, what's, what's up? What are you doing today? No, we could have texted that. Hey, what are you doing today? Nothing. Let's meet up. Cool. Like, done. Right? But a phone call?
1: God damn it!
4: No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't.
1: Seth, do you like small talk conversations?
3: I sometimes will call people just to talk. So I guess, yes. Just All to right. small
1: talk. You can call me, and I'll call you, and we'll ignore the other two. How about that?
3: Well, it just but it depends. Like if you're calling me and I'm like working or I'm going from one place to the other, absolutely not. But if I'm like chilling on the deck and I'm just having a good evening, I w- sometimes will call people just to say, "Hey, how have you been doing?"
1: That
4: makes that's sense.
3: different. People you haven't talked to in a while.
4: But I'm talking about people you talk to on a regular basis probably. Oh you text with them just fine. Yeah, no. you they call you, you up live with them, small talk. Right, like
0: like, you know your wife yeah. and, and, or your and you're your definitely daughter at daughter. work. You're definitely just oh. trying to get some information <laughs> about about a certain thing and we get you get that information and then you just have to polite, yeah. politely let it go on for a while, but they have to cut it off at some point.
4: <laughs> I feel like this is definitely a problem for the older generation. Um, if you're gonna call me though, you need to get to the point. You got three minutes. Go. Is
1: this a gender thing or a generational thing? This is I I'm... think it's
4: a generational thing. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't
0: talk to a whole lot of females on the phone, so I, I can't answer that question. In fact, I don't talk to
4: I'm kind of triggered that you're assuming that we're only talking about two genders, Omar. <laughs> well,
0: I'm saying I don't talk to any of the other genders on the phone
1: as well. <laughs> <Asshole>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I just don't talk. To, I don't talk to a lot of dudes on the phone either. I think we're gonna be. I'm gonna start calling you once a week.
3: Do it, I'm gonna Seth, be so. I'm, like, I'm gonna be so. A, a different day it. every week. I mean, you
1: so never so know. Nice. All
4: right. The other thing that I'm sorry I just can't is people who only talk about two genders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he just wrote us
4: off.
3: <laughs> Hilarious. <just> <laughs> They got triggered, Seth over here. Mm-hmm. Seth, can you not? I would just rather not.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you just can't I... even. <laughs> he changed it. I, I'm sorry. I just rather not. <laughs> I
0: can't We have a new handle... segment for you today
1: on your atheist pastor.
3: <laughs> if I I appreciate eating ice, I think it. Did it's you say fun. eating ass? Ice. Yeah, he said eating sure ass. He, he appreciates ice. it. Ice. I C E. Indica Charlie, ass, ass baby, Echo, hey. Ice. Hey, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I think I think eating ice is a lot of fun. I think it's a little cruel on your teeth, but this is well, the deal. We're, are we, are we, if you're eating ice, do not but only eat if people it wash really good
4: beforehand. In right? front of me, well, I, if the I ice cannot is really clean.
3: handle that amount of noise to hear your teeth crushing. I know. Ooh, this is sounding kinky. Yeah. <laughs> no, so if kinky. you're gonna if you're gonna eat ice, <laughs> not, uh, this is not about ass. This is not Don't about not be sloppy. Sex. This is you not can't about eat sloppy ice. It's no about you sloppy having good etiquette. All right. <laughs> and not Sir. chewing your ice in my presence. Thank <laughs> Don't you. Don't chew.
1: <laughs> yes. You're gonna have to practice patience when you come visit us because that's all our kids do. <laughs>
3: All, all their kids do is eat they
1: ice. They eat ice all the time.
3: <laughs> just chew it. Horrible breath around this house. I tell you, it's one weekend. One horrible weekend. Horrible breath. <laughs> Perhaps, no, now, if, if it's, no, it's while they're eating dinner, ice. fine. But if someone is, like, oh. just sitting next to me and they're slowly <laughs> just eating their ice, I will...
4: I will punch them. Seth, So I'm an ice muncher. I'm sorry, buddy.
0: What if they make eye contact with you while they're doing it and rub it on your body <laughs> a little bit first?
3: That's not going to help at all. I think the problem is, is that it is a sound that I have to continue to hear that is... I'd be more worried about the smell. Startling... <laughs> And I can't control.
0: It's it's very startling, I heard, yes. Yeah, for sure. Especially at first.
3: (laughs) Guys, why do you turn everything sexual? This is not...
1: Why don't you?
3: This has nothing to do with sex. It could. Boys and girls. Your Atheist Pastor listeners, I apologize. (laughs) the <laughs> men, Gray, and their sexualization of our culture and of my words, because they are the best words. Ooh, ooh! <laughs> that's sound like, that sounds like Trump. Hubris. Don't. Don't, don't be swayed. Yeah, I just... I, I don't like people who eat their uh, food or ice loudly. I just can't. There's your point. What have I done wrong?
0: I, I'm really curious now. Like, I mean, do you get annoyed by sloppy blowjobs? I mean, like... <laughs>
1: Why are someone, we talking someone, about Someone being re-
3: really loud about it, and like <laughs> <laughs> Indico he
0: just Charlie can't.
3: Echo, he just can't. I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm just wondering Well, I'm changing the
3: subject. Does that annoy you that too? That has me? nothing it's, to do with this segment. But
0: it has to do with ha- like how you, your etiquette and how you eat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like Arrested Development with the tongue. <laughs> had to figure out how to kiss.
3: What are you asking?
0: <laughs> Circle around the rim of the ice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> i don't eat ass if that's what you're implying i do not do it i, was, oh, I mean i'm not judging if you do maybe i do
0: i but mean everybody likes into
3: it and that's
1: okay
0: everybody likes it they just don't know it yet amen elizabeth did you have any
1: not as good as this <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to do mine? Mine's boring.
3: (laughs) Yes, I want to hear it. I want to know what you just can't do.
1: I just can't when people bitch about me being a homeschooler and think that my kids are ill-prepared for life because of it. So there was an article that uh, was written by Freedom Homeschooling. I mean, they they do eat ass. (laughs) Um, back in december <laughs> and it's gone viral around uh, my homeschool mom friends and so you have the you have to understand the context first of all as homeschool moms or dads we get comments all the time about how we are destroying our children's lives mostly because we're not getting them socialized the way public school kids get socialized and so there there are these standard questions that you're always asked like well what do you aren't you worried that your kids aren't are not getting enough socialization? Aren't your kids going to turn out weird? Do, are you teaching them the right things? All this shit. So, the question she posed in her article was Can you imagine learning that someone's child attends the local public school and responding with any of the following questions? So, she flips the questions around on the public schoolers. And I was like, I thought it was brilliant. So, what what in the world would make you decide to public school? Aren't you afraid public schooling will make your child weird? I met a weird person one time and they went to public school. So like questions like this, like I I literally have been involved in conversations where I spend 20 minutes uh, listening to them gripe about the public school system and how terrible it is and then I get they ask me where my kids go and I said well they're homeschooled and then I get shit for 30 minutes about well why did you put your kids in public, why don't you put your kids in public school. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with public school? Like, you just sat there for 20 minutes and told me how bad it is. Like, that kind of shit I just can't even. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous!
4: Yeah. I. Yeah, people telling other people what to do with their kids, yeah, fuck that shit. I can't even on that one either.
1: Right. I mean, I understand that not everybody can homeschool. And I appreciate that. And I understand that some people want to homeschool. And I appreciate that. And I, and I understand that there's other types of homeschooling as well. But why is it that We get like pissy about like, just back off. It's my kid. I'm destroying my kid's life. Who is it to you? Like, I don't think I'm destroying my kid's life. Honestly, I think I'm doing what's best for all of my children. But, you know,
4: as if uh, public education, uh, you know, as a government run. Entity is the best form of education ever. Right? You know, I mean, look at look at other go- government-run agencies. Have you ever been to the DMV? <laughs> Have you ever been to uh, the post office? Well, they're yeah, still preparing you to basically on work
0: in factories. I mean, the whole like right. nine to five. Yeah. I mean, even I mean that stuff died with our generation. They lied to us. In school preparing us, like, no one knew what the internet was going to do and how it was going to change people. Now it's...
4: Hey, uh, Omar, when's the last time you needed to know what mitochondria does in your everyday life? When's the last time you needed to know that? Right now,
0: when you asked me that. (laughs) 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 About about three seconds ago, Chris.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and when's the last time you needed uh, the Pythagorean theorem? Ooh.
0: Um. Never. I can't say I've never yeah. e- needed that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not gonna try to say that. I feel like you're trying to trap me. <laughs> no. no
4: I, I'm just saying you don't really need it. <laughs> That's what they're teaching in the public schools, and probably in homeschool too.
0: But whatever.
1: Yeah. We learned it in a history in a historic sense this last year, actually.
0: Seth is but, doing Seth, Seth, Seth is, is doing Jesus hands <laughs> over
3: there. Yeah. I am because I feel like. With education, you have to view it from a big picture, okay? (laughs) Okay. Each of these concepts, each of these concepts (laughs) are bricks. And yes, we're building a wall. And you can do without some of the bricks. But if you don't have enough bricks, the wall falls. So while we want to say, yeah. How often do you use this? Well, you probably don't. However, learning that concept helped you learn other concepts. It's a brick on top of a brick. On top of a brick. It's building a wall. I'd like everyone to
4: acknowledge that Seth is an advocate for building the wall.
3: (laughs) Of education. (laughs) Of education. I'm suddenly feeling like Joe Biden for a second.
4: (laughs) Man, like a creepy pervert? <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> like I mean, did, you, did, did you want to like? called him out. Smell a smell kids' hair, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> for opposing busing by the Department of Education. No. Oh. Anyways, that's from the second well, debate.
4: Speaking of speaking of all the debates,
0: maybe we should hit
4: up the news for noobs. Ooh,
0: maybe the atheist pastor viewers may like that. A little taste of uh, a fade to gray political conversation. <laughs> Andy, roll the
4: damn music. I hear you get your news from CNN. All these other fuckers watching Fox News
2: again. Yo, Chris, don't they know that that shit is whack? Hell yeah, Andy, it and is some white and black. F G fan, bam, we found another way. Mr. Noobs, motherfucker, on, on fade to gray. <laughs>
4: What is up, everybody? This is Chris, and you're listening to News for Noobs. What we do here is we like to get rid of all the... um, What do we like to do at News for Noobs, Andy? Well, we like to get
2: rid of the bullshit. We like to just kind of (laughs) talk some shit and vent about... Crazy shit that's going on in society. What's bothering us? We talk some shit, and then we kind of we come to a conclusion, and and we try and keep it nuanced as much as we can. Uh, and to keep us nuanced today, we've got Seth here, who's gonna uh, hopefully reason us lib-tard. back to yeah, exactly. Our our resident <laughs> libtard, who's going I'm to. Just, uh, bro-
3: I'm just gonna bring you to some truth, okay? Sure. I just yeah. I just <laughs> believe CNN in the is
0: CNN is the truth, right?
3: That's the truth. That's right. The truth that his mainstream media
4: has fed him.
3: (laughs) I do not believe that any news network is the truth. I believe that you need a variety of all news networks, which is only why he spends two
4: hours watching MSNBC every
2: day. So he's going to deconstruct my alt-right ways and my my uh, info wars-loving heart, and he's going to tell us about why we should. Now, Andy. we should Brain support worms. all of these twenty <laughs> Democratic candidates. That's what we're going to talk about today because oh, what the my hell? God. This is crazy. Twenty. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, I think they could. There's barely actually twenty four. No way.
4: Yeah, there's twenty four. They only let twenty of them debate though.
2: Oh well, there's only so much room on the, you know, wherever they debate. <laughs> they can only fit them in an arena so big. God, twenty. That's so fucked people. up.
0: I'm voting for I'm voting for one of the other four. That's messed up. Apparently Wait, who are have, you? Apparently they have more to say, but they're being excluded, and I, that's censorship right there. So one of you other four, I'm standing behind you as a, a minority, and you get my vote. <laughs> You're standing <laughs> behind who? I don't know. I'm just going to pick one of them. I'm just going to do, like, <laughs> when I go to the voting polls. Like, one of the four that did not get to go to the de- Democratic debate and be heard. <laughs> but so they isn't probably it- aren't going to make
3: it to the ticket.
2: Isn't Sir. it crazy, though? You go from I'll, I'll man. however many it was last time, whatever it was, I don't know, f- five or something. I don't even, I'm don't. i not a registered Democrat, so I don't really keep track of how many uh, candidates there were last time. But 24, 24 candidates. This is the reaction that you get and the reality we're presented with when you have – obviously, I'm not a huge fan of Trump. But when you have something that goes into the White House and is that polarizing – you have all of these people coming to, to uh, the rescue of the American public because they think they need to. And you, you know you have a lot of candidates when Bill Maher is literally holding up pictures of candidates and saying, these candidates need to get the fuck out and get out now.
3: Is it possible that they just look at who is in office and think, holy shit. If Donald Trump can become president, the fuck so can I, and we have a lot no, of candidates.
4: No, they're but, they're saying, "Oh my god, this is the worst president ever. I let, need to be up there doing my thing." Is I can be a much better president. They're virtue signaling. That's what they're doing.
0: I, I honestly don't know any of the names that are mentioned. I've heard a couple of them. Obviously, I saw that you know, good old Bernie was up there, and so. <laughs>
4: He's back. Yeah, he's on his last leg though. He's on his last leg. He's yeah. not gonna make it past the election here.
3: He didn't do too good. He didn't do too good in the debate. Honestly, he definitely did not stand out. I know
4: someone very close to me that would disagree with you on that one. Really, my wife is a huge Bernie fan. Well,
3: die hard. Feel the burn, baby. Feel the burn. We see what we want to see.
0: It's interesting that like he ran off of like a slogan that has like to do with like, a venereal disease. The last <laughs> time. Just feel the burn, baby.
3: Well, if you look at who's in office, I mean, it's clearly anyone can become president. And right now, I think that there is a lot of fear um, in our in the Democratic Party um, that they're not going to be able to beat Trump. I mean, there is a legit fear um, that we're not going to be able to win. Um, and that's why they're not pursuing impeachment. Did you notice
2: that you said that we're not going to be able to win?
3: I said we are concerned that we might not Who who Who
2: win. is we?
4: I just want to... MSNBC and CNN. That's who we is.
3: I would say those who are not going to vote for Trump. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 in the next election, people are going to vote for Trump or they're going to vote for someone else. I'm talking about well, the see, people who are voting for someone else, whether that makes you a Democrat, a Libertarian, I don't two, care.
0: There's more than two choices.
3: Right, and that's,
2: right. that's and
3: how I ridiculous said, it is. Whoever you choose, Who, like Trump or whoever you choose.
2: I mean, that's a big co- that's a big collective, though, right? That's that is that is we're going to lose. I mean, to speak that collectively, I think even as a Republican or a Democrat is 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 what has got us here. It's sickening. It's tribalism. sickening that we. Yes, it's tribalism. It's tribalism to the to the greatest extent. There's no way in hell that anyone is going to beat this dude because he's broken and cracked the formula because all of these people are speaking in political algorithms in these debates and all they're saying is these ridiculous platitudes like Medicare for all and all of these different things, which, okay, they sounds great. You know, taking away student debt sounds great. But like these are things that you're going to have to actually put words behind a statement. You're going to have to put... Actual policy. How are you going to pay for these things? So right. that's all right. going to fade. And then it's just, we need to beat Trump. That's all they have. That is all of these 24 yeah. candidates. Because how
4: are you have. going to do it? How? They're, they're never going to be able to tell you how they can do it. They're going to say, this is what we're going to do. But they'll never tell you how they're going to do it. For example, whenever they're all saying, oh, let's cancel student debt. They're not telling you we're going to have to add that to the national debt. So you're going to end up paying
3: for it anyway. Like right. No, <laughs> and like, I'm not suggesting that. All of these candidates have great ideas. Some of them. The suck. student
0: debt thing gets me, for sure. Like I, I definitely have an opinion about that. Like because I mean, isn't it known that like we're getting all the money for the this like student loans like overseas? It's like foreign like investors and stuff. It's not. It's not coming from the United States, and so then if we just forgive all of that, like it's I mean that's what happened to happened with the housing economy, right? It was like when. And they start forgiving like housing debt. Like it, it it almost crippled us then. I'm just like curious, like like you said, how is it actually gonna get paid for? And what's it what's it actually gonna do to the US economy? Like it sounds great. I mean like if I went to school and I'm facing like sixty to hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of debt and somebody's gonna tell me that like don't worry about that, like I'm gonna sleep a whole lot better at night and probably not gonna be like looking at the big picture and that's kinda like what you guys are talking about, is the big picture. And it, se- and it seems like, like, to have a nuanced conversation, it's hard to get into that, like you said, the we, the tribalism stuff you guys are talking about, because it's, there. there is, in reality, no good candidate. You know, the system is set up, the right wing, left wing, it's all... It's, it's all the same. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's all this big game. And it seems like the president that there is now, Trump, it, it like knows how to play the game better and doesn't play by the rules and, and fucking won and put it in everybody's face and everyone's scrambling, trying to be like, hey, hey, it's not fair, it's not fair. And, but trying China still play by the same rules and basically it's exposing kind of like what, I'm sorry, I'm going to say like Joe Rogan has talked about, like, well, do we even really need to do, be doing this archaic presidency thing back when there was only like thousands of people like underneath, like one like head now it's like you're talking about like
3: billions of people okay which which is great abstract thinking but that's not going to happen in the next two years no because trump will be president again and i'll tell you why
4: the dnc has allowed 24 candidates to come up there and steal all the votes from each other
3: and guess what? who's going to get all the votes.
4: Okay, hold, hold There's one, per- Do you there's guys one understand person You can't anerson can get all the works. votes as opposed These to 24. Are the
3: debates, people are eliminated as it goes to the process till they get the eliminated pick. And how are the they eliminated they
4: pick? How are they eliminated? The DNC colludes against Bernie. That's how they're eliminated. Yep. And well, guess what? That only causes divisiveness within its own party. That party is already collapsing in and on itself. It eats I'm, itself. It, I'm
3: getting really sick and tired of hearing the word divisive when the most divisive person in American history within a presidential realm is Donald Trump. That's all, um, that, that's all that man does. What about Andrew
4: Jackson, slave owner?
3: In history? Okay. I may have spoke a little too elaborately.
4: Come on, man. Listen, I just, I, I can't Donald Trump them. had the I, most I honest have, thing to say about the debates. Boring. I
3: have so <laughs> much distaste for him.
4: Why? Because, because of the brainwashing that goes on in CNN and MSNBC. Because
3: everything Look, that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Pretty much. Everything that comes out of his mouth is the greatest ever. (laughs) What right? And he has like his vocabulary
0: is that of the honest president that we're using as the example that told the truth. Like yes, what is is President Obama?
3: Head who's speaking out against like I I I I guess I'm just I miss having feeling secure with who's in office. Like feeling like whoever is in office is going to take care of shit. Like Like I. Don't feel that about Donald. I, I felt that about Obama.
2: I felt that Obama. So when he was drone striking a Brown person
4: every day of his presidency, you felt secure
2: and separating families at the border. (laughs) Right.
3: Didn't know about it. I, none of them are, listen, absolute power corrupts. We have to go off what we know.
4: Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Any, any one of those motherfuckers that's up there in that office, they're not regular people. They're not you and me. They don't think like you and me. They never can. They never will. <laughs> you see, you think that. And I bet Bernie even thinks that about himself. Like, you put me in that office, I'll do right by the American people. Let me be clear. But once he gets there, guess what's going to happen? Corruption.
0: Yeah. No, there's no way that I think that I could be president. And it's
3: just a front it's a front man of a band anyway. <laughs> or there's other factors taking
2: place. Well, yeah, there's just no way that when you... You don't just get the power of a country, so it, it's it's almost pointless when we're speaking about these things. It's almost pointless to even have one side or the other because corporate multi-trillion-dollar interests. Um, do you think they're going to let you just make decisions on their industries or policies or whatever that uh, that affect their business and what they do? Uh, there's no way we're ever going to even get an honest true president there's no way that's going to happen no. even even
3: i i don't disagree with that
2: yeah so so yeah. so why why pick a horse when you know that horse is going to be made into glue
3: but even if there is corruption there is a way of being presidential and delivering a message and, and in at least though. putting out a vibe of safety so you want, a good, is what you want. You want a good salesman or that they're doing you want a good salesman to put people.
2: a good face on the nation
3: at this point well at this point the nation needs it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but he it, Seth just
3: doesn't For like himself. the sales isn't
1: that what Trump is well, I, A salesman Donald Trump only cares
3: about himself he doesn't care he doesn't give two shits about I
4: probably health. agree with you on that but let me let me ask you this when is the last president that crossed over to North Korea and shook hands with Kim Jong-un
3: it's never been done right
4: and let me tell you this the reason it's been done now is because Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump are both power hungry ridiculous Crazy people who can get to know each other right.
3: They're crazy as fuck only cares about dictators. And let me
4: tell you something, the North Korean people, what's going to happen if there's not diplomacy with the United States, they're going to die. But now that there's some diplomacy, the North Korean people are going to have some hope. So people can talk bad about Trump all they want and they have every right to because he's, he's a piece of shit, Mm -hmm. but he's not the worst president that's ever lived. Listen, Russia, did they collude? Absolutely. But do you know how they're colluding? They're dividing the people by all these fake Facebook accounts, trying to make yeah. people try to pit America against themselves. Like the cold war is not over. It's just a tech war now. And they're winning. They're ripping our country apart at the seams. And and by the way, CNN, MSNBC, Fox news, how do they make money? Yeah, that's They, they make money by selling advertisements and getting people glued to the television. How they do that. They give you drama. drama. It's not yeah. news. It's drama.
0: They can get your emotions. They want to. They don't want to tickle your mind. They want to tickle your emotions because if they can get you to get angry or sad or happy or whatever, then they get you to react faster. And then it, it's control. control Absolutely. Tactics. Same thing that happens in churches. Same thing that happens in any, any power structure that wants to like, try to manipulate or control people. Anyway.
4: I don't know, guys. I like Andrew Yang because he's promising to give me a thousand dollars every month.
2: Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> Just go to Alaska and have a bunch
0: of kids. That'll work out pretty good for you, too.
2: The, you know, that whole universal basic income just blows my mind because when you when you promise things like that and then you say, okay, well, how we'll pay for that is we'll just tax Amazon or we'll tax these companies. Okay, that that's great, and that sounds like it could work, but guess what? Your uh, you know, cell phone holder that you order off Amazon and it's there in two days... Uh, that's nine ninety nine is going to be seventeen ninety nine now, and it's going to be there in seven to right. ten business days. So there you go, right. inflation. Absolutely. So the all of these things sound great. They sound awesome. A thousand dollars a month for hurting families, for families struggling, you know, in the Rust Belt, whatever, where ha- even here in California, um, it sounds great. But it's nothing that is going to solve anything uh, even over the next 10 20 30 years i mean it's it's it, it's a drop in uh, the ocean in my opinion
4: absolutely well and not only that but you're talking about people like Bernie, who's saying you know that we need free college for everyone but the problem is is it's not going to be free cuz you still have to pay for the college facilities the professors and all that healthcare retirement that has to be paid for. So how is that going to be paid? It's going to be paid by the taxpayer, which is you. So you're not getting it for free. You're paying for it.
2: Mm -hmm. And then you, you almost incentivize this, this lackluster way of living. You know, if I succeed, I get taxed like a son of a bitch. And why would I, why would I try and make $200,000? If you know, 80 grand, 90 grand of that is going to taxes. Why are we not incentivizing people to succeed? you're you're getting tax money from people who make money uh i mean obviously that's the way taxes work obviously but it just seems to me like there's there's this this scoffing at uh successful people who have made businesses that you buy shit from and and guess what you want to pay for the free college yeah great we'll raise taxes but your sketchers and your vans are now double in price congratulations
4: now, I'm curious, Seth, which one of these presidential candidates would you back at this point? Now, I know it's kind of early in the game.
0: What do you mean by back? Well, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, I don't know.
4: I, I have my guess. I, I think
3: a, Omar is trying to make a I sex a, joke. Well, a, I well played. <laughs> I would support <laughs> at this point either Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris.
4: Oh, God. You just said Kamala Harris. Okay, let's talk about Pete Buttigieg. Okay, why Pete
3: Buttigieg? Well, first of all, there are some demographics about him that immediately make him appealing, but that doesn't have anything to do about his policies. So I like his policies independently of these facts, but he is also um, from Indiana. He's a mayor, and he is gay, and he is married. We finally have a first man in office. He is Christian, And for being a Democrat, he has some pretty good ideas that I feel would identify well with conservatives. He seems level-headed, very, very smart, and I like his attitude. Now that doesn't have to deal with his policies and you can attack me on policies and I'm not going to have it all together. I don't have that all with me at the moment to really back that up and fight that. Um, but I do like him a lot and he would be my number one pick.
2: But what would be one of those policies where you think would find some common ground with conservatives or libertarians? What would be something that, that would help uh, bring some cohesiveness to the political realm with, with this guy? I
4: know that he's definitely more cautious on going to war, and I think that he could find common ground that way for sure.
3: He's very strategic and well; like everything is well thought out. He does; he's not impulsive at all. Um, But conservatives like Donald Trump, so you think that that's
4: going to bring them?
3: (laughs) Well, I think that if we win, there's going to be some things. Oh, I said we. If that big (laughs) ominous (laughs) someone. If someone other than Donald Trump wins the election,
0: The world would be a better
3: place. (laughs) It would be.
0: Oh, yeah. It And be
3: be, be brokenhearted again. If that happens, there's going to need to be some bridges made towards the Republican Party. The Republican Party is not a fan of reaching out bridges to the Democrats, but we are going to need to learn how to do that. And be the better man in this next this next round um, in reaching out the hand across the aisle. I think the Democrats are better at it, honestly, than Republicans because I think, well, we could. That's another political conversation. But I think that he would be able to reach across the aisle and build those those bonds to you be heard able here. to get us. Seth wants to reach corruption. around
4: for President Donald Trump. I
3: did not say that. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having us on. It's been great.
1: <laughs>
2: That's a hell of a way to finish it off. <laughs> so, uh, I would like to go around us five. We've already heard from Seth, uh, Peter Buttkegs. Is that what is it? Buttkegs.
3: Budaj. <laughs> but Pete uh, uh
2: Let's see. So we Pete Buttkegs, and then I'm gonna go for. I don't know why you got Budaj his name is Sorry, Buttigieg. Buttigieg. But, Buttigieg! Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say critic I would totally vote for Tulsi Gabbard even though I think she was a pandering <laughs> fool on her uh, Democratic uh, debate stage I would say that the fact that she is so anti-war uh, I, I really am attracted to that because uh, whether it be Republican or Democrat I am not a fan of just policing the world and going into these countries just for, for oil or for whatever resources they have and, and completely uh, propagandizing uh, our whole nation uh, so that we can go into a place and go to war. So I would gladly vote for Tulsi Gabbard.
0: I'm voting for Steve Kerr still, (laughs) even though actually, I don't know. I might change my vote because I said that before he lost to uh, Toronto in (laughs) I don't know if I want a president that can't, that can't be Canada. So sorry, Steve, If we can't beat Canada. Then I don't think we're safe. Okay. Thank you, Omar.
4: I Andy agree with you on Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I think she's fantastic. I, well, as far as it goes to diplomacy um, and uh, foreign affairs, because we need to stop the military industrial complex uh, that we have going on. It's, it's, completely ridiculous. Um, And I will say that I also liked Beto O'Rourke because he's my favorite cultural appropriator. Um, He started out his debate with just the worst Spanish. It was so tasty. I loved it. I loved laughing at him. He needs to drop out immediately. He's horrible, but I want to stick around just so I can laugh at him a little bit.
2: I cannot believe he thought that would work.
1: I'm about to show you why the Williams are not part of the News for Noobs because I'm voting Leslie Nope. <laughs>
3: <laughs> She's not running.
1: <laughs> no,
3: Yeah, neither is
0: Steve. I'm writing Carter, her
1: in. No. That's why I said you're going to see we why the Williams are not bullshit. part of News That's for Noobs. That's what
0: we got. <laughs> Maybe Denzel. We'll see. I don't know. Denzel might look good on the ticket. <laughs> Well, this was a
3: lot of fun.
2: Oh, we just had way too much fun talking politics. This is more fun than anyone should have talking about politics. This is amazing. has been It's actually been enjoyable.
1: Can, can I tell you, can I say one thing?
2: Please. Of course.
1: Along this whole line. You can say more than When more. I heard there were 24 Democratic um, candidates, I, I honestly thought of the movie 21 Dresses. I'm like, they can't figure out who the heck they want to stand up with them in the wedding. That's honestly what I thought of I've
2: never heard or seen that But that sounds very applicable More
4: like 21 wet blankets (laughs) All right, everybody Well I'll tell you what We want to hear who you would vote for From all of these Democratic candidates Come on over to our Facebook page Or Marco Polo And chime in Are we completely
0: wrong? Who do you agree with here?
2: Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on News for Noobs.
0: Yeah, super duper excited about the next series that we're working on, uh, relationships. Uh, I think there's a lot of area uh, where we can fade to gray on the topic of the relationships. There's a lot of different, um, as Elizabeth said, unconventional um, relationships. I personally, and you, I'm not going to save my rant. Not going to get into it right now. But I just think that like a lot of the a lot of the way we do things, um, especially in the Western world in America in the area of relationships it seems like we're always chasing like this idea of like the the one or like the perfect story or we hear the, the hollywood and and churches have really just kind of fucked and purity culture and all that stuff um has really played a major role in in our lives the way we view relationships and so what we want to do is ask some people some pretty personal que- questions some some of the stories i know one of the ones i already have is going to remain anonymous um and, you know, and just basically people telling their stories, um, failed dating, um, escapades, um, marriages that have worked for 60, 70 plus years, um, you know, divorces that have been the best thing in their life, you know, divorces that have uh, leveled people in their faith, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, everybody's story is different. So uh, really looking forward to, to getting into that. And if, if there's a story, if you feel like you have a story to tell, if you feel like there's something that... Um, you know, if you've been through some maybe some crazy stuff in the area of like a, a marriage, um, you know, divorce, or even even like some crazy dating stories, um, you can reach out to us on Marco Polo, um, private DM, any one of um, the roundtable members, whoever you feel comfortable, and we um will reach out with you with a, a list of questions per topic, and you know, answer a couple questions, and then give us you know your story in about ten minutes. And we will use a portion of it or maybe all of it. So um really excited to partner with you
3: guys and telling your stories and your stories out there. So please don't be shy to reach out to us. Yeah. And really, I just want to mention how many podcasts out there are engaging their audience in this way. By being a fade to gay, gray listener, not only do you,
1: <laughs> well, I want to say. Gay, pride, gay. Week. pride week. Pride week.
3: Pride week. Pride. It's the end of pride, guys. Okay. But by being a fade to gray listener, not only do you get to hear great content, but we also want to hear from you. And this next series is a great opportunity for that. So we really do mean it when we say we want to hear from you. Um, in fact, you can share your story with us um, without even using your real name. If there's any concerns around privacy, um, the great things we go by first names, and we can use any name we want. We want to hear from you. We want to know your experience with relationships. So please reach out to us.
4: Well, guys, do you guys have any big plans for 4th of July? Because I'm going to be binging... The Netflix series, Stranger Things.
2: Super I excited am about also it. going to be binge-watching Stranger Things because my <laughs> daughter's apparently not going to be here, so I'm going to be one lonely son of a bitch. I'm going to be working <laughs> during the day, and I'm going to be... You know what? I say we do a, a fade-to-gray, Zoom, Stranger Things combo meetup. Dude, and we'll I would, just, I'm down. I'm down. We'll dang, just stream yeah. it. Hey, and, that's, and that's when right, that's... Zoom terminates our account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's really hard to do. I've tried to do that a couple of times, and I've not figured it out yet.
2: No, but but no plans. Yeah. Well, God
4: bless America. Stranger Things season three. I couldn't be more excited. No fireworks. No going out in the boat. No fire pits with s'mores. It's all about the Stranger Things. Super excited. But that's not the best thing you could watch. That's not the best thing you could watch on the Fourth of July. Can anyone think of something better to watch? CNN. <laughs>
2: I know You ruined my segue I know your answer <laughs> Independence Day sir Independence Day Oh you
4: s- Andy s- you're a genius Hey These are the movies That molded me These are the movies That molded me J- I love the movies J- I love the movies Hey One love to Movies
3: with
0: the Boobies. <coughs> Alright guys, we're back again for another roundtable episode where you get to hear your most favorite segment of all. That's right. It's the Second segment where favorite. your boy right here comes to talk about <laughs> movies that molded you. Movies that had an impact in your life in one way or the other, whether they were... Um, <laughs> Scared you into the man or woman or they
3: that you are today. (laughs) Excuse us for the technical difficulties.
0: Or, or was a romantic movie that you you know visualized yourself maybe one day having that and and for the rest of your life end up in failed relationships because of these are all movies <laughs> that in one way or the other <laughs> has shaped like your your horizon of what you think is funny what you think is scary you know what, how you view the world and so today obviously as we are releasing on July fourth which is better known here in the ghetto U.S. of A. is Independence, Independence Day. day. So it, there's nothing else to talk about but that day that Will Smith saved all of our lives <laughs> from being destroyed by the evil aliens.
4: Well, Jeff Goldblum as well. We can't forget him.
0: Well, yeah, he's not as important <laughs> as you know as Will Smith end up being a superhero, you know, Hancock and all, <laughs> and, 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 fight, and and fighting alongside in his amazing suit. Oh wait, that's that's not the right one.
2: Andy, do you remember this movie? This was one of my favorite movies growing up because I was so curious about aliens and stuff like that as a kid. And I was always asking my parents questions, you know, do they exist, blah, blah, blah. And of course this movie was confirmation that aliens definitely exist and they can only be brought (laughs) out when Will Smith is uh, attacking them.
0: (laughs) He is the hero that saves us from all things that are invasive. Zombies too.
4: What exactly could you give the aliens to kind of bring them out of the woodwork? Was there a substance that they might take?
2: Yeah. uh, The aliens really loved uh, heroin, black tar heroin. That was really popular uh, in the intergalactic uh, realms. Black tar heroin was definitely their favorite. I was really hoping you were going to do
3: your sugar
4: water thing. <laughs> what
0: what aliens like Black Tara ha- Heroin? Are we, are we talking about the same aliens that Trump would be talking about? Is that why we're building a wall?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, the one thing I can I can for sure remember from this movie was a
4: uh, water sugar <laughs> water.
0: <laughs> uh.
2: Definitely the wrong
0: movie, but, but yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. what the heck! There's too wrong. many Will, Will Smith, Smith alien movie. Will Smith, what is your deal? So there's Independence Day. There's Men in Black. Yes, that it, and then yes. okay, and then uh, I Am Legend. Right, that was aliens. That was that zombies, was I think.
0: Zombies, but yeah, close. Hancock. Hancock is one where he's. I think he's an alien. right? Here is something he has. He's a superhero.
2: Oh, there is one more. Pursuit of Happiness. Yep. No aliens in that. <laughs> Those were those were all aliens. He was trying to sell the computer to. Um, no, that that movie was was incredible because it really did give you such a weird, uh, such a weird vibe. I, I mean, even me as as a young, you know, I was I guess eight years old when that came out. There was parts of that movie, like when the when the uh, professor got slammed up against the glass, and the alien was using his little tentacle thing to speak for the professor, or the the scientist, I guess. Uh, it was the
4: first incident of tentacle porn.
2: That's right. That's where it first got introduced. <laughs> Will Smith actually doesn't know that he was part of the first tentacle uh, scene. <laughs> so it, that actually freaked me out as a kid. I mean, was there any scenes that freaked you guys out uh, at all? Um, aliens,
4: you know, whenever they were wiggling their little tentacles and their big nasty heads opened up, that was definitely creepy.
0: Or the scene where Will Smith is like busting open like the like the helmet to the thing, trying to get to it, that, that always will like, be sheared in my mind. Yeah. Like, that, that and obviously the White House getting blown up by uh, a giant ray. Um, that was pretty epic.
2: I loved when, I loved when he finally <laughs> shot down the spacecraft and he's like, he's so stoked and he's like, but he's pissed at the same time. So he's like walking up to the thing like, Oh, Oh no. Like he's pissed. Like basically yeah. he almost died. Uh, it's like somewhere in the desert. I think he was like getting chased out in the desert. And, and that's when he doesn't like stab the, the aliens. That, head that's or the just same like,
0: scene I'm talking about. Yeah. And he's like yeah. trying to get, like get through its suit at first. And he's like trying to crack it open. That's the same scene I was talking about. And just, oh, that was so like the good. pinnacle of like, oh, and these things can be killed. It was like that one first time that like, it, you almost have hope. Like, okay. Like, yo, we, yo, we got one and, you know, we got one.
4: Yeah. Seth, the thing that you liked most about this movie was the sexiness of Jeff Goldblum. I'm guessing. No. You weren't, like, lusting over Jeff Goldblum watching this when you were a kid. His sex appeal was through the roof. (laughs) Oh, it was all about Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes!
3: (laughs) Yes, I like Will Smith.
4: Yes. Will Smith 1996 or Will Smith
3: 2016? I love all things Will Smith. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Do you guys he's still, know? He's still a
0: good-looking guy right now. Like, dude, do you guys
3: Guys, shut up. Do you know why <laughs> Do you know why it's called Independence Day? Yeah, cuz we or... gained freedom from the aliens. <laughs> no, like they literally named it Independence Day to up its release date. Interesting. Is that like a a fun little trivia fact about it? And it was supposed to be called Doomsday. Oh. But they uh, they decided to name it Independence Day um, to encourage 20th Century Fox to give it a summertime release date. Wow, well, that's interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Little known fact.
0: Huh, that is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait for, for our Independence Day this year where we can binge watch old movies like Independence Day or other Will Smith movies where he's saving the world. Or we could watch Stranger Things Or we can watch Pornhub, because I'm sure there's a special there for Independence Day as well. We don't encourage that. Um,
4: What would you guys rate this movie on the grayscale? Remember, movies that molded me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I, I give this movie. I remember it was a really good movie at the time. It was a blockbuster movie. But sitting here recapping and talking about it. There's like maybe two scenes that I can really remember other than the first scene when the aliens and they see the aliens through the sky or the ships. I would say and the act I mean actors are good in it. I two, you know, being generous. Alright. Okay, Seth, what do you
2: give this movie on the grayscale? Three. He gives it a three.
4: But only because of Will Smith. Alright. Andy. Yeah, what do you I'm give giving, this movie?
2: I'm giving this two intergalactic stars as well because I just it, <laughs> I, I'm like Omar. There was only a few scenes, much like the uh, the ship coming through the clouds, and then the alien's head being split open, and uh, that's really all I can remember from this movie. Even though I loved it as as a, a young buck, uh, I really can't recall too many specific scenes. So two stars.
4: I'm giving this movie one star, but only because of Randy Quaid. And his entertaining factor, the movie was entertaining and that's why I'll give it one star. But other than that, I can't say that this movie molded me at all. Uh, I would say that independence day resurgence was more entertaining. Cause it, I laughed the entire time because of how horrible it was, but independence day, the first one, I give it one star for entertainment factor. It was entertaining, not a good movie.
0: As far as like alien movies or invasion movies, it's it's way down there on the list, honestly. So,
4: so I believe that brings our average to a two. Wow.
3: <laughs> Can I change my answer?
4: Sure. What's your answer?
3: I had a three, but I really want to make it a one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Because I was just you... thinking middle of the road, like average. But yeah, no, it's not not on this scale. It really should be a one.
2: Hold on, but before we end, there is an Independence Day 2? Yes, The Resurgence. <laughs> Never even heard of it.
4: Dude, I went to the theaters and saw it because I was so excited to laugh at it.
2: <laughs> wow. Now that I'm looking it at it great. on Google Images, it looks even cheesier than the first one.
4: Yeah. Wow. And the best thing about it is I don't remember anything about the plot from the second one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, that's the movie yes, that thanks guys for me. joining us once again
0: obviously <laughs> um this is a fourth of july special we want to do independence day um shout out to jeff goloom will smith i mean it was a good movie for the time but it didn't hold up i'm sorry it just did not hold up in looking at it so debatable Oh. Um, next time though guys next time join us on movies of old me we're gonna talk about more movies that you know were barely memorable
2: from your past so (laughs) stay tuned